0: Hi everybody, today I am going to deal with the poem A Thing of Beauty by John Keats. Now if we go back about 150 years, we would remember, at least we've studied in history books, that industrialization had taken place during that time. Now the late 1700s, early 1800s was the time when industrialization was in its full swing. A lot of people in England who had been working in jobs and other things, they lost their jobs because the machines took over. Now what happened was that these people, they as they started, it's known as the Great Depression in England during that time. A lot of people, they committed suicides, a lot of families were destroyed. It, you know, in those days, uh, the. Uh, the main source of entertainment was drama and poetry. Now, the poets and the dramatists, they also started writing about these dull and dreary things. Now, if you look at England per se, well, it rains for 10 months in a year or it snows during that time. It's dull and dreary most of the time. They don't see sunlight for a better part of the year. Now, coupled with this, the suicides, the, uh, the loss of jobs, it made for a very, very murky kind of an environment. There were stories of how people were jumping into the Thames to actually escape what was going on because they could not look after their families. Now, in those days, since there were no TV, there were no, there were no uh, radios, most of the entertainment was via the medium of drama or through poems that were written by these poets. Now, since they were also uh, influenced by whatever was going on, they also started writing about these dull and dreary things. I remember reading one poem when I was small about this girl who is told by her mother to take the, uh, the lunch to her father, and while she is crossing a small little creek, it's it's snowing and she doesn't realize that uh, you know the water is pretty cold and she falls into this river and she's lost. Now after many days also they are searching but they can't find this girl at all. Now these were the kind of poems that were written. At that time some of these poets like John Keats, Tennyson, Shelley they decided that they were going to write about things that were naturally beautiful for which nobody had to spend any money to enjoy them and that is why since they wrote about nature they were known as the romantic poets. Now the theme of this poem, A Thing of Beauty is the power of nature and the inspiration it provides. He urges man to realize his power and live his life to the fullest. Now when we speak Of nature being beautiful you know he says that anything that gives you any sort of happiness those are the things that you remember for a lifetime whenever you think about these things they make special memories in your mind and whenever you think about these things they relieve you of your stress he says a thing of beauty is a joy forever its loveliness increases it will never pass into nothingness Now very often you are asked this question, a thing of beauty is a joy forever, why? Now it is a joy forever because it stays with you. Whenever you think about this thing of beauty, it will always provide you with happiness. I'll give you an example. When you were about one year old, you celebrated your birthday. Some pictures were taken, at that time probably you didn't realize what it meant. When you were five years old, you saw that picture again. And at that time, you said, Oh my God, this is my first birthday photograph. When you were 15, you showed that photograph around to your friends. And you said, Oh, see, you are there, you are also a baby. When you were 25, you showed it around. uh, When you saw this picture again, you again felt that that was. One picture that you needed to keep, it provided you so much of happiness. When you have kids of your own, that is the time, you show them and you say, you know, this is when your dad was so little. And when you grow old and senile and you lose your teeth, even then you say, time you are still keeping that picture alive in your heart. Now, over a period of time, The happiness that this picture has provided has only increased. It has not faded out. Every time you see that picture, it provides you more and more happiness and it relieves your stress. He says it will never pass into nothingness. It will never lose its value. It is eternal. It will last forever. But will keep a bower quiet for us and a sleep full of sweet dreams and health and quiet breathing. Now if something like this can relieve you of your stress, a bower means shade. Now it is providing you here, bower is a metaphor for solace or comfort. It provides you with solace during your stressful times and if your stress is less then you will sleep well If you sleep well, well you will have sweet dreams and you will have a better health and obviously you will lead a healthy life. Therefore on every morrow are we breathing a flowery band to bind us to this earth. The poet says, that is why on every new day we are looking forward to gathering these beautiful memories. We are, these beautiful memories bind us to this earth. Whenever you are upset if you think of these memories, they will relieve you of your stress and then the stress is no longer of the same intensity. Now when he uses the word flowery band to bind us to this earth, flowery band is actually imagery. Imagery is anything that you can visualize when you keep your eyes closed. When you say band to bind, it can also be alliteration. Now, then he says, spite of despondence, of inhuman dearth of noble natures, of gloomy days, of all the unhealthy and over ways, made for a searching yes, in spite of all, some shape of beauty moves the pall from our dark spirits. Now, he says, yes, there will be times... When you lose hope, spite of despondence means loss of hope. Of you inhuman dearth of noble natures, you will meet people who are selfish, who are not noble at heart, who are out to harm you. Of gloomy days, now gloomy days is a transferred epithet. He says there will be times when you just don't feel like it. Of all the unhealthy and overdarkened ways, Now there will be times when you are not feeling well, when you are not feeling up to doing certain things that you are supposed to do, you are miserable for some reason or the other. If you look for these kind of days, you will find those kind of days in your life, but they are very, very few and far in between. Then he says, yes, these kind of days will be there, but... Some shape of beauty will remove the pall. Pall is actually a shroud, a cloth you cover a dead body with. Now here it is a metaphor for unhappiness or sadness. He says there will be some shape of beauty, something that you remember from the past that will remove the sadness from your life and lift up your spirits. Such as the sun, the moon. Now he gives you examples of what these things could be. He says such as the sun. In winters you come to school, you sit next to the window and you have the sun rays falling on you. It provides you so much of happiness. It has not cost you a penny, but it has provided you happiness. The moon, you look at the moon in the night and you say what a beautiful sight. Trees old and young you come to school it's been raining you see the bright leaves you see the washed leaves and you feel that it is a nice sight sprouting a shady boon for simple sheep now here he says you know generally sheep are found either in the desert areas or in the very high mountainous areas where the sun is very strong so he says if these sheep find a shady tree They couldn't ask for anything more. Now when he says shady boon, he is actually talking of imagery again. Simple sheep is symbolism. It could also be illusion. You know Jesus was born in a manger where a flock of sheep are kept. So since it is connected to God, that is why it is considered to be illusion. Then he takes up another example and he says, and such are the daffodils with the green world they live in. Now, daffodils are wild flowers that grow in England and they're bright yellow flowers, yellow or white. Now, throughout the time when there's a blanket of snow, everything seems dull and dreary. There's no bird life. There is nothing that looks green and it can be really, really troublesome. Now, he says, the moment this ice starts melting the greenery of the daffodils come out and they start flowering so it's a huge treat to the eyes green world is again a metaphor for the greenery the vegetation that he talks about and the clear rills that for themselves a cooling cupboard make against the hot season now rills are small streams he says Just thinking about the uh, stream makes one feel nice. If I ask you today, okay, let me take you out for a picnic to to a stream, all of a sudden you leave everything aside and you'll start visualizing the stream. So he says, these streams make a cooling covert. Covert is an experience. They provide a cooling covert. Now cooling covert is again an alliteration against the hot season. Now, hot season as in the climate and hot season could also refer to stressful situations. The mid-forest break, rich with the sprinkling of fair musk rose blooms. Now, this question comes very often. What is a forest break? Break refers to a cluster of ferns and weeds. Now, he says, if you go for a walk in the forest, when you come back, You might say, oh, I've got the mud on my pants and I've, uh, you know, my shoes are dirty and everything seems to be wrong. But over a period of time, you will not remember the dirt or the mud that you got back in your shoes. What you will remember is that nice sweet smelling flower that you saw in the forest. That is what remains with you. And such too is the grandeur of the dooms. Now till now... The writer was talking about concrete things, flowers, streams, uh, sun, moon. Now he moves to the abstract. He says, and such too is the grandeur of the dooms. There is a grandness associated with death. Death of whom? We have imagined for the mighty dead. Now mighty dead are those people... Who have done something good in their lives. They are selfless people, philanthropists, uh, rulers, soldiers. So he says there is a grandness associated with the death of these people. All the lovely tales we've heard or read. Now, about these people, either you hear that by the word of mouth or you read about them in your school books. You know, what is the grandness associated with these mighty people? Uh, Barack Obama came to India and the first thing he did was he went to Rajgat. So, there is a grandness associated with the death of Mahatma Gandhi. Even after dying, he makes a difference. Now, Mahatma Gandhi is a very very recent example. You know, you and I, we've studied about Ram, we've studied about Allah, we've studied about Jesus. Now, although, you know, Ram seems to be a concrete character, but we only consider him a mythological character. Now, uh, Ramayana was written much later than when he was born. Nobody actually knows whether he existed or not. But we've heard about these tales. As kids, we've been told the stories, they've been passed on to us an endless fountain of immortal drink pouring unto us from the heaven spring. Now, if such a small thing can provide us with happiness throughout our lives, then it must be a gift from God. He says it must be pouring unto us from the heaven spring, means it must be a gift of God. Endless Fountain and Immortal drink are both metaphor and imagery. Thank you. I think I have made myself clear. Thank you.